This is Judge Willis, left tackle for the Cleveland Browns, and you're listening to the Browns Huddle Podcast. Enjoy the show. And welcome to another episode of the Brown Settle Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Hand. We are part of the Zedia Network. That's media spelled with a Z. For more information on the Zedia Network, you can find them on Twitter, at Zedia Network. If you are a Cleveland Browns fan, have a story to tell, and would like to share it, hit me up on Twitter. My DMs are open, at Brown Settle. You can also find this podcast on Twitter, at Brown Settle Pod. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five-star review and please share the show. It helps more than you'll ever know. This week, I have a very special guest coming to the huddle, co-host of the Feeling Dangerous podcast, Tyler Johnson. Tyler, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thank you very much, Jason. Happy to be here and excited to talk some Browns. I am too. It's an exciting time to be a Browns fan. There's, There's a lot going on. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. It's been a great start to the offseason so far, and uh, really looking forward to digging into it a little bit more because we had some more news today that was very interesting. We did have some more news that was very interesting. Before we get into that, I want to let you know I'm a big fan of the Feeling Dangerous podcast. It sounds like you guys are having a lot of fun over there talking Cleveland Browns football. Yeah, it, it is a lot of fun. I mean, and those are a bunch of guys over there that are working really hard. Um, behind the scenes as well, trying to keep our fans updated on Twitter whenever we can with whatever news is breaking and just the idea that we can come together for an hour um, once a week just to talk Browns. It's uh, really enjoyable and we have a lot of fun doing it. What what has it been like doing a podcast talking about our favorite football team, the Cleveland Browns? It, it, it's really been so much fun to be able to talk Browns pretty much any chance I get. I'm always talking to my friends about the Browns. Um, and I'm tweeting about the Browns all the time. So the idea to talk Browns uh, pretty much once a week for an hour um, to a bunch of people, hopefully listening to that. I mean, it, it's awesome. And hopefully one day, I mean, it'd be a dream to get paid to talk about the Cleveland Browns. So definitely enjoy it and hope to do it more in the future as well. Well, well you're off to a good start, no doubt. Um Let me ask you this. What is something that you didn't know about podcasting? that you now know one I would say how much like editing um really goes into (laughs) editing each podcast um before it is released um our producer Pete does a great job of that but more personally for me it's uh Zach told me I could actually use my Xbox headset um as my mic um for these things so that's actually what I've been using instead of going out and buying one right now so (laughs) that that's kind of funny that's what I've been doing right now yeah the, the editing can take longer than the actual recording. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about that. And, and Pete, I mean, he's been – there's some days he won't get done editing until like 2 or 3 in the morning. I, I mean, it, it's incredible just to take all that time and really making each podcast unique in every single way. Yeah, I was actually a guest on the, the Feeling Dangerous podcast last year, and I learned something being a guest. But before I was a guest on that show – I used to write my outline on a yellow pad. You know, I actually had a yellow pad of paper and would write all my outline down with a with a pen and 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 that yellow pad. And Zach pointed out, he's like, 
are you doing, man? <laughs> he showed me Google Docs and I've been using Google Docs ever since that day. And let me tell you, it was a game changer, bro. I mean, I can type it up on my computer and uh, it's e easy to, to maneuver through that process way more than a yellow pad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure. I, I kind of knew about Google Do Docs for a while now because in college, I mean, we use that all the time for group, group pod projects. So that's how I was able to really get used to Google Docs even more. I haven't used it in a couple of years. But yeah, it's, it's an amazing tool because that way you can have multiple people typing on something at once and you don't have to forward an email 10, 10 different times to get people to write on a document. I, I do this podcast. I, I always say it's for the fans, by the fans. I love having Cleveland Browns fans like yourself, like myself. I mean, I'm just a fan with the microphone is all I am. Um, we, but as a podcaster, we always think about what what is our dream guest list what, what what would that look like who would it be what what is your dream guest list to have on the feeling dangerous podcast do you have one yeah I do I do have a few um Joe Thomas I, I would love to talk to him about his time in Cleveland I mean everything um he had to deal with uh Owen 16 Johnny Manziel I uh, like oh. that whole thing I would love to hear just all the stories that Joe Thomas um could give B Baker Mayfield um, he's been a big part of changing the culture here in Cleveland. And he's right yeah. now my favorite athlete in Cleveland. Um, and one of the other ones that would be awesome to have, even though his time didn't go well here, is Johnny Menzel. I feel like that would be very entertaining to hear the stories that he has. So I, I and I don't, and even though that didn't necessarily work out here, it, it is what it is, but I feel like he'd be a fun guy to have on a podcast. Seems like he's pretty salty with, uh, Browns fans over you know I'm reading his tweets that he sends out you, you think he's pretty salty still that it didn't I work do. out I, here in Cleveland I, I do think that's part of it I mean sometimes I feel like though he just wants attention I mean that's obviously a big part of who he was in college and when he played in the pros so maybe that's part of it too he he tried to like then deny it and all go back on what he said but I, I think part of it is he wants attention along with that yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking at a guy. How how old is Johnny Manziel? Probably 25, 26, something like that. Yeah, yeah, he's playing I mean, golf every day. <laughs> yeah, I you know I just look at look at a guy that's young and he's probably still trying to find his identity because his identity was football. That's what it was. It's not anymore. So now he's probably just trying to figure out who he is, and sometimes it comes across wrong on Twitter. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, for a while. Um, I remember because I actually uh, bought some of his gear when he was announcing his comeback season because I was kind of a, still kind of a fan of his. And uh, he had a huge shop um, and he was selling out of everything he post like everything he would post um, he sold out of. Um, and I know now he's playing in actually a fan controlled football league with uh, Josh Gordon right now. So, I, heard, I heard that. What that what's that all about? Do you know any details? So basically the way it is, is fans can basically get on an app and pick the play. And then, then the players on the field actually <laughs> run that play. That's it, it's literally fan controlled. I haven't actually watched it. I think you could watch it on the bleacher report app, but that's about how I've heard about it. And, and actually Josh Gordon, once he, um, I, I believe was released again, that's when he joined Johnny Manziel's team. I don't wow. know how the draft, if they had a draft or how any of that all works, but it's pretty interesting. He said he won't play like competitive football again. This is the closest he'll play, but it's still interesting. 
Well, you have a pretty good dream guest list, man. Um, Joe Thomas, I, I I agree with you. He's on my list. That I think that guy would just be fun to have a beer with on Zoom and record a podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. Joe Thomas. I mean, he's one of the greatest athletes um, city of Cleveland has ever had, and he was a guy who loved his time here. Um, and he always left it all out on the field until he could not play anymore. I mean, and it's remarkable. He could have been tra- He could have asked for a trade while he was here. And even there was times when he talked about um, he had the opportunity to be traded. Um, I knew the Broncos um, uh, maybe two years before he retired were interested in Joe Thomas. Uh, the year I think they won the Super Bowl, he wanted to stay here, and because he just he believed he owed the fans here, and and so it's awesome just having a guy like that because he easily could have gone, um, but he didn't. He stuck it out here, and now he represents uh, the city and really the Browns in a very professional way, and I love hearing him always talk positive about the Browns. It's awesome to have a guy like that. Yeah, you're right. He could have bailed on us easily, and no one would have thought anything of it. I mean, we would have been heartbroken, but, yeah, he could have easily done that, but he stuck it out in Cleveland his whole career, and that's very rare in today's football. Um, my next question is, who is your favorite Cleveland Brown of all time? So for me, um, I'm 25 years old, and so it, it would be Joe Thomas. Um, it's there, when I first, like, obviously really got into the Browns, um, he was the one guy that, like, he was always, you know, he was always going to be here. He was always um, one of the leaders of the team, and I just admire how he carried himself. He was never a guy who – was really just like out there showing off or really talking a bunch of trash or anything like that. He was a guy that was just playing for a city, playing for his fans. And I truly just admired a player like that Um, because when I was obviously growing up, I mean, the Browns weren't anything special at the time, Um, but he was the one constant that this team had. I mean, there was a revolving door quarterback. Um, Obviously we lacked um, decent skill position players a lot of the time, but Joe Thomas was right here. He was always the leader of the team. And he's definitely my favorite Cleveland Brown. That's a good one. My phone is dinging. I apologize. Do you hear that? I do not. Oh, okay. Well, maybe it's not dinging. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Draft draft is coming up. I don't know if you're hosting a draft party. A lot of people are. The, the draft is in Cleveland. We're going to talk about that in a couple minutes. But let's pretend, Tyler, you're, you're hosting a draft party. Who is on your guest list name three family members or friends mm-hmm. three former Browns and three celebrities that are not athletes all right so uh three friends and family uh, my wife my dad and my mom uh gonna make that very simple uh for the former Browns this one was a little bit tougher but Joe Thomas uh, Peyton Hillis, he had one great year here, and uh, he'd be an awesome guy to talk to as well. <laughs> yeah. and, Ber- and and you have to have Bernie Kosar. So that's uh, that's my list of Browns and celebrities. I, I went with a bunch of comedians here. Kevin Hart, Will Ferrell, Adam Sandler, all absolutely hilarious. And if the draft got kind of boring, they would liven up the party very quickly. Yeah, I mean, you, you could have Joe Thomas manning the barbecue grill. I mean, you know you're you're going to be fed well, right? He's going to oh, be yeah. out there with his blowtorch and torching your <laughs> steaks. And, uh, you know, Peyton Hillis, you know, he'd be the beer guy. I don't know if he drinks beer, but I'm guessing he probably does. <laughs> I'm honestly not sure if he does or not. 
It's hard, it's hard to know. He's he still looks like he could play right now. Peyton Ellis he, does. He does look like he can still play. And then Bernie Kozar, that's a good one, man. Um, yeah, you got to have Kozar. Was your was your parents were did, were they also Browns fans as well? Yeah, yeah, they're Browns fans. It's kind of funny. My mom, um, when I was younger, I would always say this is like this is the Browns year. Like, would be really good this year. I'd get us, I'd get all hyped after a decent off season we'd have, and she'd say, "Well, they're just going to disappoint you." Like because it, because when she um, followed him with Kozar and all that, they would make it so close, and then they just couldn't do it. Uh, but my mom is a huge Browns fan now, and it's funny because there were times I, I, I was like, this year, man, we're really going to struggle. She's like, no, we're not. We're going to have a good season this year. And she was the one who was being positive. So, I mean, that's definitely why my mom um, – my dad's a big Browns fan as well. Um, and my wife, uh, she's actually like a Packers fan because that's what um, – her family roots for because her dad's um, from Wisconsin, okay. but she's at, she's changed into a Browns fan half the time as well. So she's got a bunch of Browns gear now. Um, and so that's, so she'd definitely be here. Yeah. Who's your uh, mom and dad's favorite Brown ever? Do you know that answer? I know my mom. I'm pretty sure it's Bernie Kozar. Yeah. Um, my dad, I've, my dad and I've really never like actually we talk about the Browns all the time. That is one thing that I don't think we've discussed on who his favorite Brown is. My mom is for sure Kozar. That I do know. Well, there you go. You got something to talk about with your dad next time you see him. I, I, hey, I do, I do. Because yeah. we talk Browns, I mean, all the time and fancy football all the time. But that is one question that we have not talked about. So, bucket yeah. list. Yeah, my dad um, when he started following the Browns. I want to say it was before Brian Sipe or maybe right at Brian Sipe, but his favorite all-time Brown is Bernie Kosar. That's his all-time favorite. <laughs> Can't go wrong there. I mean, that's, no. I mean, like that's my mom's favorite. A lot of like, par- like parents, um, like that age group that that's going to be their favorite. I mean, yeah. Bernie was something special at quarterback. I mean, he got us, he got us to where this team hasn't been obviously since he left so far but that's going to change in the coming years. And I'm like you, man. Uh, Baker Mayfield is going up the ranks fast, really fast. I, I just love that guy, man. I, he, he's the Cleveland Brown. He, he was meant to be here. Um, there's no doubt about it. And he's going to serve this city well when it's all said and done. Mm-hmm. I, I completely agree with that. And every time I see it come up on Twitter, I retweet it. When he was asked um, – I believe it was at the combine mm-hmm. about Cleveland. And he said, I'm going to be the guy that goes in there and turn the franchise around. He said, we have, they have talent. They need one. They need a quarterback to turn around and I'm going to be that guy. And I have oh. not forgot. And every time I hear that, I just get chills because he, he's doing it right now. And, and so it, it's fantastic. It, it's, it's a great time to be a Browns fan right now. I mean, everything that happens in the off season, especially now having a great front office, it makes every time we sign somebody, you want the team to play that next day because you're just so pumped up for it. I mean, I, I I've never felt this before, you know, with with our Cleveland Browns. I mean, it's just been such a struggle for the last two decades plus, and, and now to be where we're at is just amazing to me. And you know, we're going to talk about free agent signings. We'll probably touch on the draft a little bit, but it it is truly exciting 
you know, in Cleveland and what these Cleveland Browns are doing all the way from the front office. I mean, the, 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 the owners, you know, Jimmy and D Haslam, you know, Kevin Stefanski, our roster, it's just all exciting. There's, there's really not a whole lot of bad stuff to talk about really. Yeah. Knock on wood. (laughs) It's a nice, it's a nice change of pace. I mean, compared to, couple of years ago when we were wondering if we were going to have Josh Gordon um, for if, if he was going to be suspended again, the Johnny Manziel issues that we had. I mean, we've come a long way and the Haslam's really deserve a lot of credit also because we, as fans, we gave them a, a lot of, a lot of crap because they couldn't find that right coach. They couldn't find that right GM. It wasn't working with certain guys and they cut bait literally year after year, pretty much. And they got, a core right now with Stefanski and Andrew Barry, they finally found it. It looks like, and they deserve credit for that. And I feel like sometimes as fans, we, we kind of take that out of consideration because I mean, yeah, it was frustrating situation having to go through all those coaches and general managers. But now that we have it, the owners deserve a lot of credit for that because they knew something wasn't working. They got immediately to the next project. Yeah. And, and the attitude from Jimmy and D Haslam has always been that they want to, build a winning program here in Cleveland. I think when they they first got into this, I don't think they knew what it really took to do that or even how to do it. So I think that they were spinning their wheels at first. I mean, their their intentions were good and they're really trying to build a winning program here in Cleveland, but it's just not that easy. I mean, it's not all about a checkbook. There, there's a lot of things that you have to do. You have to put the right leadership in place with your GM and the coach, and they just weren't finding the right guys, but now they have. And um, so, yeah, I give them a ton of credit for what they've done for the Cleveland Browns. Um, let's get into some Browns headlines. This one has to top the list. Is Clowney going to be a brownie? Not so fast. Jadavian Clowney visits the Browns, left with no deal. Last year, he was with the Tennessee Titans on a $13 million, $11.5 million guaranteed contract. It didn't work out for them. What, what are your thoughts, man, about Jadavian Clowney? I, I, I've been looking through Twitter. A lot of people are saying, no way. He's, he's not worth it. It's just going to be a waste of money. I can't say that I'm on that side of the fence. I'm not also. I'm also not on the side where yes, let's done deal, sign him. I, I'm right there in the middle. I'm just kind of looking at all the facts. What What are your thoughts on Jadavian Clowney? I like Clowney. I mean, I wanted him here last year. Uh, we gave him supposedly the most money. We offered him a multi-year contract. Then we offered him a contract either at about one year for 18 million or 17 million. He took less to go to Tennessee. So. I have to admit, I, I wasn't a fan of that. The fact that we want him back, um, him visiting, I feel like this means he wants, like he's open into the idea of actually coming here. Maybe last off season he had, I mean, they're, they have another coach, they have a new GM. Do I really, is this really what I want to play? Because maybe he was looking at, could I get a multi-year deal from this team? Would this be a position I'd want to be long-term? Maybe he looked at it that way. Um, I, I was a little on the fence about it, but if you can get him for about eight to eight million or ten million for one year, I, I think it's a very solid move opposite of Miles Garrett. Sometimes guys just need a right situation. I mean, Clowney did really well in Houston opposite of JJ Watt. You put him on the other side of Miles Garrett, I think it could be very, 
very special. I mean, Clowney is an all-around the end. He's not a guy who's necessarily going to get 10 sacks, but he's really good in the run game. I mean, and he will get um, a decent amount of sacks. It won't be a crazy number, but he and Garrett would complement each other very well. If the deal yeah. is, if the money is right, I would do it. Yeah, I don't think he's ever gotten 10 sacks in his whole career, you know, in a season. I don't think he's done that yet. Um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. We definitely need to address the defensive end position. There's no doubt about that. And there's some free agents still on the market at that position that we can bring in. Clowney is an interesting one. I, I think you're right. If we can bring him in, you know, nine, 10 million, obviously it's going to be a, a one-year deal. I, we're seeing a lot of one-year deals in, in this free agency. And I like that because it's, it's good for the organization and it's also good for the player. It's good for the player because they're not signing. And I'm not talking about the top tier guys because those guys are getting whatever they want. But, but for these guys, they don't have to sign a long-term deal in a down market. They could play for one year, you know, play, you know it's a, essentially it's a contract year, play well, and then when the salary cap goes up, which everybody thinks that it will, then they can sign a, a huge deal for multiple years, and hopefully it'll be with the team that they're signing the one-year deal with. But, of course, I mean, that's not guaranteed. So, you know, and it's good for the, for the organization because it is a, a one-year deal. You're not locked into a player. So if he is a, a bust, you know, last year he didn't have a, a very good year at Tennessee. He got hurt. I think he only played eight games. So with the Clowney situation, you know, we bring him in for one year, pay him nine, $10, 11000000 million for that one year. It's a contract year. He's going to be playing hard. He wants to prove himself because he's still fairly young. He can get that big contract after this year. So do I want him here? I, I mean, it's definitely a piece we have to address. Is he the guy? I don't know. I know that when he came out in 2014, we had pick number eight. There was talk that that maybe we can move up in the draft, and 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 I definitely wanted them in 2014. In fact, that year we we had drafted Justin Gilbert and and your boy you just talked about a little while ago, Johnny Manziel. <laughs> but this oh. is not 2014. This is 2021. It, it's it's it, that was many years ago. So yeah, but here's what I know. I trust Andrew Barry. I think that he's going to make a, a smart decision. I think this, what do you think went on in this meeting? Let, let's talk about that. I mean, what do you think were some of the questions that Andrew Barry asked Jadavian Clowney? What do you think some some questions that maybe Jadavian Clowney asked us? I, I think what Barry's asking, and I think this is a big deal with him coming off injury, how, how's the knee? You got yeah. to, I mean, because Clowney has had injury issues in his career, and maybe it's why he hasn't necessarily reached his full potential in some regard. I mean, because at South Carolina, let's his highlights speak for themselves. I mean, he was looked at as a once in a generational pass rusher and maybe injuries have affected him. And also the Browns didn't meet with Clowney last year. They didn't get, they didn't get a visit due to COVID. Um, so at that point, this was the first meeting between Andrew Barry and Clowney, like the front office and Clowney. So I feel like that's one of the questions. Um, I don't know if they if they talk money necessarily the very first time. Like I don't know exactly how those meetings go, but if they talk money, maybe how much he's asking for, um, because obviously that's very important. And because I, Barry went big last year, 
I mean, he wanted Clowney pretty bad. I mean, based off uh, numbers you hear, they offered Clowney. So I would say money um, is an aspect because you have to think with Clowney coming off another another injury, especially um, a knee injury, that the money's not going to be nearly as high. But his expectations should be a lot lower. I think Clowney is asking what role he would have with the Browns um, coming off injury. Um, and obviously we signed Tack McKinley, uh, who we'll get into. You have to wonder how much of a role would Clowney have? Would he for sure start alongside Garrett? Would he be rotated in with McKinley? I mean, probably asking those questions. He wants to know about playing playing time, how he would fit in Joe Woods' uh, defense, if it's a good fit there. Um, I'm sure they're asking that as well. Uh, but I, that's what I would guess um, at this point. Again, I think this was more of like a meet and greet since they didn't get to meet last last year. So maybe just him touring the facilities and just – talking about really what plans um, are for the future with the Browns. Cause maybe, maybe with some of these visits, like, cause obviously it, it probably will be a one-year deal, but maybe the player looks at it as in this could be somewhere I possibly play for more than one year. I mean, I think those are all into consideration as well. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. I mean, if it's a one-year deal, you, you would hope that, I mean, if he has a, a great here here and he likes it in Cleveland and, and we like him in Cleveland, you, you would hope that, you know, we could sign him for a bigger contract after that. I, I think that Andrew Barry, part of the discussion would be, um, you know, how much do you like the game of football? Um, I, I think that's important. We, we, we want to make sure that anybody that we bring in is a good fit for what we're doing. Cause we have a great, we have a great thing here in Cleveland. We have a lot of guys that, that want to play football. They want to get better. They, we, we were one, one game away from making the AFC championship game last year. And who knows what would have happened if we would have made it to that game, but we, we want to get back to that point. So I think it's very crucial that we bring in somebody that, that wants to win, that's a, a team guy that's going to be good in the locker room. I've, I've never heard anything different about him, I, you know, about Clowney. I, you know, I think he is, uh, you know, a good locker room guy, I think. But but that's that's something I would have probably went over with, with Clowney if I, I was Andrew Barry. And, of course, the money. Um, do you think that he would entertain a, a incentive-based contract, like maybe eight or nine million guaranteed and then – you know, if you get 10 sacks, it's this. Do you think you, you know, they maybe discuss something like that? I do think that would be discussed because you're seeing a lot of those deals around the NFL right now. A lot of them are incentive based because a lot of these players know about that new TV deal coming up. If, if Clowney can get an um, 8 million guaranteed, 9 million guaranteed, and then you bump that up to um, possibly 12 or 13 that he could receive with incentives, I definitely think you'd entertain that because he's coming off a very, like another severe knee injury. So he can't be asking for this huge contract or because a lot of teams aren't going to pay that. Look how long it took him last year to sign with Tennessee. I mean, because he was asking for a ton of money at the time and teams weren't going to pay it. And so we offered the most, he ended up declining and then went to Tennessee for a little less. So, I mean, he's just not going to be able to ask for as much as he wanted last, last year. I mean, because of injury and because of performance as well. So I definitely think an incentive contract is best for really both parties here. Yeah. And if, if you sign a one year deal, wouldn't it be nice to know that you have miles Garrett on the other side, that you're not going to be the lead dog, <laughs> you know, that, that, that offensive lines aren't so much focused on you double team and whatever. 
I mean, I, I think that that would be in, very intriguing. Um, last year, you know, when Clowney looked at the Browns, maybe like you said, I think you pointed out earlier, we had a new GM, new coach. Sure, we were, you know, great on paper with our roster. This Cleveland Browns now is totally different than last year because now we're we're battle tested. <laughs> you know, we can we can win the big games. So I, I think that free agents are looking at us a little bit different than they were a year ago. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about that. And and when we went to Tennessee and really uh, stomped on the Titans with with uh, Clowney there, that was pretty satisfying. I'm sure he realized then he's like, okay, this isn't the same. This isn't the same old Browns. No. And seriously, so. maybe that got him to consider like, okay, maybe this is a team that I can really um, see myself growing with and help win a Super Bowl. Because maybe that's why he's doing a lot of one-year deals lately. It's trying to get a Super Bowl. He was in Seattle too for about maybe one or two years, and they made deep play- playoff runs. So, so yeah, the Clowney situation is going to be very interesting to see what happens. Because I'm sure he'll have other visits um as well with teams wanting to check out his knee. But it also shows that the Browns are looking for a veteran defensive end as well. And so there will be other options on the market. Really curious to see if we have any other guys coming and visit or if we sign anyone else at defensive end. Yeah, I mean, it definitely shows that we're not done addressing that position at defensive end, whether it be we we sign a free agent because there's still a couple out there. Um, Carlos Dunlop, I mean, I don't think he's signed yet. Um, so there's a couple of guys out there that we can look at. Obviously, we can we can address it in the draft. Maybe we'll do both. I mean, you know, just because you bring in Jadavian Clowney or Carlos Dunlap or, or someone like that doesn't mean, you know, you're not going to use that 26 pick on another defensive end. Because remember, this will be a one-year rental. Uh, it would be nice to have another young dog back there just ready to roll in, in 2022. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the thing is, with you, when you address these needs in free agency, in the drafts, best available player, and that's the situation you want to be in. If there's a guy, regardless of position, that you can sit for a year behind someone on a one-year deal, that's really what you want to do. That that's what good teams do. They draft best available player, not for need, and that's ideally the situation you want to be in. Yeah, so so stay tuned for for Jadavian Clowney. It, I, it was interesting. He came in for a visit today. We were talking before we aired on the show that neither one of us knew that he was even coming in for a visit until we saw it on Twitter. So that, I don't know. That was that was exciting news for sure. Um, all right, let's get into the uh, Sports Illustrated Power Rankings. Came out with a post free aids free agency power ranking. I saw this on Twitter from my friend, Charles Shin at fighter guy, 2424. I don't know if you happen to see the tweet, but they came up sports illustrated came out with a power ranking post free agency. They're also going to do another one after the draft. I thought it was interesting. The Cleveland Browns, they had a power ranking of number four in the entire league. Does that surprise you? It doesn't surprise me. I mean, we came very close to an AFC championship game appearance last year. And we have one of the most talented rosters in the NFL. And, man, that that really brings a smile to your face saying that. And that's why – that's really not a surprise. I mean, I don't know who necessarily would be ahead of us, um, Chiefs, Buccaneers, um, Bills maybe. Maybe those would be the other three ahead of us. That's just a guess. 
but yeah, I definitely could see that. And this schedule this year, it's going to be tougher, but we also have a roster that a lot of NFL teams don't have to compete with. So us being at number four is very exciting. And it just makes <laughs> you, it makes you also, it makes you also cross your fingers. Like just don't lay an egg this year. Come on. Like this is our year. Come on. When I see the Cleveland Browns number four power ranking, it's just number one. It's it's almost disbelief because we're used to being like thirty one, you know, thirty two sometimes, twentieth. Uh, but yeah, we're number four. You you ha- almost nailed on the head, bro. You said um, okay. So number one is Tampa Bay. Number two is Kansas City. Those are not shocking. Number three is Green Bay Packers. Mm, okay. mm-hmm. and you said buffalo bills which they are right after us at number five so i mean it's right right there this is interesting pittsburgh steelers and the baltimore ravens are six and seven pittsburgh's way too high they lost so? they oh yeah they lost so many players on that defense i mean you lost bud dupree you lost hilton you lost um man who else they just lost uh the other day they just lost a corner. I mean, they've lost a lot of guys on that defense. Uh, they lost their starting D tackle. I don't know. I mean, you bring back Ben Roethlisberger, who I'm actually kind of happy about that because he's just he's just wearing down in front of our eyes. Um, he's a great quarterback, but the Browns, I mean, have solved them because the guy is just very immobile at this point. Um, they're going to lose James Conner. They're going to lose – I mean, I'm pretty sure they're going to lose him as well. I mean, they added Juju. That's about what they've added at this point. So the fact that they're that high, the Ravens doesn't surprise me. I mean, Baltimore has been very solid the last couple of years. They did lose Jude onto the Patriots. So, I mean, that's a pretty significant loss for them, but they returned pretty – oh, and they added uh, Zeitler to the line, which is a pretty significant addition. So I think they'll – yeah, they'll be um, probably our toughest competition in the AFC North. So them being that high, that doesn't surprise me. Pittsburgh definitely surprises me. And, and this is Sports Illustrated. It's one publication, but it, it's it's pretty – Pretty uh, neat to see. I mean, the top seven spots, three of them belong to the AFC North. That's pretty pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> you'd mentioned the New England Patriots. They're sitting at number nine. Seattle Seahawks at, are at number eight. And the Miami Dolphins are sitting at number 10. So that's your, that's your top 10 right there. Um, any idea where the Cincinnati Bengals would be? Bengals would be 22nd. 22nd that is uh the atlanta falcons they Mm, hold that spot cincinnati Bengals are 31 Mm, okay (laughs) well if they if they address that offensive line though they're they're gonna be i think they're gonna surprise some people if they address that line they have some young talent there and they they have a high draft pick as well I, i think as long as they have burrow healthy they can be pretty solid if they have a line but again that's the biggest question how about Tampa Bay just bringing everybody back? <laughs> hey, I mean, that's what you want to do, though. If, you, if you're able to do that, that's great. I mean, Brady created a lot of cap space for him when he agreed to a contract extension. Bringing back Barrett, bringing back uh, Dominican Sue. I mean, you're bringing back everybody. But also, it makes you wonder, does, does the cap really exist? Or is it just something that a lot of – because a lot of teams manipulate it. So it just may, it just makes you wonder certain things like that. And Tampa Bay is another situation where they're doing that. I mean, they're bringing back every single player. They had enough room for Godwin on a franchise tag. Barrett's getting a huge contract. 
it's those things that make you wonder maybe if you actually look into the contract on how much they're getting this season, as opposed to maybe they're probably backloading a contract that could be possible. But I mean, the Rams are a great example of the last couple of years. And even the saints this year, the saints were like 75 million over the cap and they somehow got underneath the cap. It's interesting because yeah. they didn't necessarily lose a ton. Saints didn't really necessarily lose a ton of people either. And they afforded a, a safety on a franchise tag. They, they franchise tagged Marcus Williams without being under the cap. See, that's, I, that's just yeah. something I don't understand. I, I think with Tampa Bay, you know, the shelf life of Tom Brady is it's limited. I mean, you got a couple of years left, so you got to what, you know, you as a GM, if you're the GM of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you got to say to yourself, whatever the hell I got to do to put talent around this guy, because you know, you, you have him for one or two years you know, Tom Brady, who knows, maybe five more years with that guy. <laughs> but you got to be looking at Super Bowls. How many Super Bowls can I get? And I I thought it was pretty good move on their part to bring everybody back like they did and be able to afford it, especially with the with the down, down salary cap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's very smart they're able to do that. They didn't know if they would be able to actually bring everybody back. They thought – that they would probably lose Levante David or uh, Barrett. And they were able to afford them both. I mean, that's, (laughs) it's pretty impressive. I mean, it really is. That's a lot. That general manager there is really working his tail off. And Brady, I think he'll play out his Tampa Bay contract and then he retires. That's, that takes him till he's 45, which is what he said in the past is playing till he's 45. Hmm. Awesome. Well, speaking of the draft, we, we talked about that a little bit ago. That This is also in Brown's headlines. The draft is in Cleveland, and it's a full go. Fans are permitted. Um, you know, To get close to the stage, you have to show your vaccination card. That's what I heard, which is, which is pretty interesting, to say the least. Um, I'm pumped for the city of Cleveland. You know, I'm, I'm really happy that we don't have a top five pick. What, what, what are your plans for the draft, man? Are you going to go there or what, what, are, what are your plans? So I live in uh, Mount Vernon, Ohio, so I'm over two hours away from Cleveland. I would love to be at the draft. Yeah. Um, I don't get done working until 6 o'clock normally, and I already have a bunch of vacation days planned in the future. So unfortunately, I won't be able to go. I'll be watching on my couch. Uh, my wife and I will be wa- – well, I'll be watching the draft. I don't know if she will, will want to watch the draft. But uh, my dog's name was Odell. He'll be watching it with me as well. Nice. <laughs> so that's what I'll be doing. I don't know if I'll stay up until the Browns pick or not, because that's gonna be it's gonna be a later night. And plus, they could trade out and not even pick in the first round at all. So that's my plans. I lo- would love to be in Cleveland uh, for the draft, but unfortunately, it's just not in the cards this year. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was interesting. Um, I heard on the Ken Carmen show today, they had a guy that was talking about the draft. I guess he's one of the organizers. Um, he was basically saying all systems go, no, you know, no restrictions on, on fans coming. Um, you know, obviously Browns fans are passionate. They can really pack a place, uh, you know, to get close to the stage, you know, you have to show your vaccination card. Do you think that's going to carry over into the season? Do you think there's any chance that, you know, they're going to have us show like vaccination cards to get in the st- stadium or, you know, will that determine how many people can get in? What, what It's going to, you know, what do you think about that? It, 
it's going to be it's going to be a very interesting situation. I think that they're still going to have um the masks like in the stadium. Yeah. Um. Obviously, when you sit down, you can take them off. Um. As far as the vaccination, th- see, this is the first time I'm really like hearing about this. I mean, I heard about it before, but this is really the first situation that's really being implemented. So, if if this is successful, maybe they will start doing it at games. But I feel like. For teams, they're going to just still have the masks. I don't think they're going to have the vaccination card, but maybe that is something that they will visit um, down the line. I know that, um, at least in the NBA, they said players aren't required to be vaccinated, like NBA players. So Hmm. I'm curious to see where this is going to go. It might really just depend on the sport and what they think, um, whatever the commissioner thinks. I'm really hoping that we see packed stadiums again. We need it. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I, I just, I want to see first energy stadium packed, you know, the barking dogs and the dog pound. Um, obviously we want to all be safe. Don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying, but I, I think most people are, are, you know, they miss the, the screaming fans in the stands. Um, so I, I'm all for it. whatever we got to do to get, get fans in the stands. If it means vaccination cards, uh, you know, I, I guess I would support that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the fact that even last season, I mean, we were one of the few teams in the NFL that even had any fans. Yeah. I mean, so that, so even the fact that we did that, I mean, that, that was pretty awesome that we at least had that opportunity. But I mean, if you're telling me right now you could have a packed stadium and you have a home playoff game in Cleveland, oh man, that place will be rocking. And yeah, I want to see it so bad. Well, I want to be there, but more than anything, I want to see it. Well, um, the other major headlines for the Cleveland Browns is that we're in the middle of free agency. We've signed a, I think we've signed some really good players, especially, I mean, on the defensive side of the ball, it's really going to help our, our defense improved. I mean, even without the draft that's coming up soon, very soon, even without that, what we've done in free agency, it's really amazing. When you look at our roster before free agency and then post free agency, I just can't believe what, what they've done. So let's talk about this. Um, Here's, here's our additions so far in free agency. We, we signed safety, John Johnson. He's 26 years old. We signed to a three year, 33.7, Five million dollar deal from the Rams. Then we signed cornerback Troy Hill. He's thirty years old. We signed him on a two year deal for nine million, also from the Rams. You'd mentioned uh, Tack McKinley. We signed him, twenty six year old, one year deal, four point two five from the Raiders. And linebacker Anthony Walker, twenty six year old years old from the Colts, just signed defensive tackle uh, Malik Jackson. And we signed to tackle Greg Sanat, I think is how you pronounce that, from the, the Cowboys. That was just yesterday, I believe. What, let's get in. What do you think about the additions, man? I mean, I know we're going to start with probably John Johnson III and, and Troy Hill, but what are your thoughts? On, I've said this on the Feeling Dangerous podcast, um, our last episode. The John Johnson signing for me came out of nowhere. I did not think we had any chance to get John Johnson. I figured that our biggest need – was defensive end. Every fan out there thought that was the same thing. We were linked to all the big-time defensive ends. But then someone shared a clip on Twitter that Andrew Barry was actually asked this question and basically said it was not the biggest need on the team. 
And so then the John Johnson signing made a little more sense there, but getting John Johnson is absolutely huge. I mean, he's, he's a quarterback of a defense. He was a captain for the Rams. He called plays for the Rams and you're getting a young safety. Who's a top 10 safety in the league who can play all around the field. Perfect for Joe Woods defense. He's a great fit. And I'm very excited to have him here. And the fact that he basically took less money to come here and called this an opportunity of a lifetime. Like that is something that just makes you smile. I mean, guys are wanting to come to Cleveland and the other one, getting, getting the homeboy back, getting the hometown boy back here, Troy Hill, uh, <laughs> getting him from the Rams as well to come here. And basically that they said that was a four-year deal at 24 million. It really is only a two-year deal for 9 million. So, I mean, Andrew Barry out here is making some amazing moves while really being very smart with his cap space as well, which you're going to have to be with the future contracts extensions coming up. It's been very exciting. Getting those two guys really solidifies the secondary, even though I think you still need to add another corner. You know who's going to really benefit from this in our safety room is Grant Delpit. You know, a lot of people – I don't, we don't forget that we drafted Grant Delpit, but we, we drafted him and then we didn't see him. You know, everybody is so excited to see him and, you know, he gets hurt in training camp. And, and so, so now here it is a year later and I think he's going to come back. I think he'll be ready by training camp. Um, I don't know that for sure. I mean, I saw a workout video, he looked darn good doing it, but, but a guy like Grant Delpit, who's young, um, he's going to benefit from someone like John Johnson and, and, and Ronnie Harrison. What are your thoughts on that, that, that trio right there? Uh, it, it's going to be very fun to watch, especially if Delpit can come back and be the player he used to be. Sometimes it takes a year um, with those Achilles injuries. So that's going to be something to watch, but really the fit for these guys in Joe Woods defense, because what he wants to run is a base a four, two, five. That's what he wants to run. So he wants five defensive backs and there's, he even wants to do if he has enough personnel to run a four, one, six. So linebackers are kind of not necessarily the priority. And if they are, he wants run stoppers as opposed to guys who are good in the pass at linebacker, but he wants guys who are versatile Harrison, John Johnson and Grant Delpit are all versatile players that you can move all, all along that defense. And Troy Hill is a very underrated signing here that I feel like maybe sometimes doesn't get enough credit. He's one of the top slot corners in the NFL. And that's absolutely huge for this team. When you're going up against Patrick Mahomes, you're going to be going up against Aaron Rodgers next year. You're going to be going up against a lot of top quarterbacks. And you have a secondary that, if they stay healthy, could be one of the best in the league, especially depending on um, any possible trade in the secondary or any draft picks in the secondary as well. Yeah, I mean, when you look at at Troy Hill um, coming from the Rams, I mean, the Rams had a top – five, six defense last year, they're very good. And we, and we just, you know, we have two of their, you know, we have a safety and a, and a cor- cornerback from, from them. So Troy Hill, he's 30 years old. Like you said, he's a, he's a leader. He's known for slot cornerback, but he, he can also play on the outside. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. I would say, cause I've had um, fans saying that as well. I would do whatever I can to keep him inside. I mean, if he has to play outside, it's not it's not the end of the world, but you want to keep a guy where his strengths are. You don't necessarily want to stretch those boundaries too much. Um, but, yeah, he can definitely play that. That's kind of nice about him is he is versatile in situations that we might need him outside. But I would say more than anything else, definitely keep him in the slot if possible because that's where, obviously, he is the best in the business at what he does.
I mean, John Johnson, he's like a top 10 safety in, in the whole entire league. And <laughs> Andrew Barry was able to get him for three years, 33 million. Like you said, he, he took less money to, to come here because he wanted to come here. Um, I think that just says so much about what the outside uh, of the league, the players on the outside, what they look at our organization. Cause we know what we have and obviously we're biased. We're fans. We, we, you know, we think we're going to be good, but, but the outside looking in, they also think we're going to be good and they want to be part of this because we're about to do something special. That was a good signing, man. John Johnson and, and Troy Hill, both from the Rams. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. And one of the other signings that is very underrated here, I feel like Tack McKinley is a bargain at what he's at what we got him at. I mean, it's a one-year deal, uh, 4.25, obviously. We tried to claim him four times off waivers. And the only reason we didn't get him is because teams that were worse than us were ahead of us in waivers, so they got him. But the Browns wanted him. I mean, they know the guy has a ton of potential. He's a former first-round pick. And like, I, like I've said before, I don't think that these first-round picks that necessarily don't have great stats are just automatically busts. Injuries come up. Maybe the right, um, maybe not in the right scheme. Those things happen, and I feel like Tack McKinley wants to be here, and he was so excited um, when he met with the media just for the opportunity to be able to play here because he's like, "This is a team I know that wants me," and he was excited to get to work. I mean, if you can get the best out of him alongside Miles Garrett too, this is a situation where with Tack McKinley, because you've shown a guy how much you really want him, that if he has a pretty decent season, he could be here long term maybe sign another two or three year deal after this. Yeah. So, I, mean, I mean, I'm really excited about Tack McKinley. Yeah. He's, t- I mean, he's 26 years old. Like you said, for former first round pick, we signed him on a one year deal, 4 million bucks, you know um, it's definitely, he, he's trying to uh, rejuvenate his career. He, he's had some injuries. Um, you know, his career definitely hasn't gone the way he thought it would go when he got drafted. Um, yeah. I mean, he, he could be a guy that, we're, ex- we're excited about right now, but as the season progresses, we could be extremely excited about that he's on our roster. This this next one, let's talk about Anthony Walker um, that, that we acquired from the from the Colts. Did you see the Darius Leonard video, the, his, his farewell message? I, I did see that. Dude. Darius Leonard on Twitter was very disappointed. They lost Anthony Walker. Very disappointed. And he tweeted out multiple times. Um, about how a great locker room guy he is and pretty much how he's one of the leaders of that defense. I mean, he can lay the wood, you know, Anthony Walker can. You know, you look at a defense with John Johnson, Troy Hill, Anthony Walker, um, Denzel Ward, Grant Delpit, possibly Greedy Williams. What what do you think? I mean, what do you think about Greedy? I mean, you you see him coming back. I mean, I I feel like he – I feel good about it. I think he's going to be back by the, the, the time the season starts. I mean, he, he sent out some tweets saying he, you know, he's progressing. You can feel his shoulder now, which is, which is all good news. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that, that's really good news to hear because obviously with a nerve issue, I mean, that the problem is that can flare up at any time. And I think Greedy Williams has a, a lot of talent and it's just hard to know if what he's going to be like coming off of that. I mean, you sat out pretty much an entire season. He didn't get any wear and tear on his body. So that is a positive. Um, I, I think though, that proves that you still need to add another, another corner or two, I think, especially yeah. for this defense. 
Um, because, and with Delpit too, I mean, I like Grant Delpit a lot, but he's also coming off a very, I mean, a very severe injury. Achilles is the worst injury in sports. And I think they'll add another safety in the draft, probably in the draft actually, um, because they just need it for the defense. Um, nothing against Grant Delpit or Greedy Williams, but in this business, you have to have guys you know you can 100% count on. And I think right now, the Browns want to count on those guys, and that's the plan. But you, you're you not 100% convinced at that at this point. Yeah. And, and we lose uh, defensive tackle Larry Ogunjobi. We gained defensive tackle Malik Jackson. Um. I, I thought that was a good move. I mean, he's, he's 31 years old. I, you know, he'd be a good rotational guy to, to bring into the lineup. Um, I, I didn't want to lose Larry Ogunjobi and I, that sucks. He went to the Bengals, but uh, that's, that's the way it goes. Sometimes you can't keep everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, especially um, with how everything's going to go here the next couple of years with contract extensions, there's going to be, some really tough decisions that Andrew Barry's going to have to make um, in the coming year um, this year and next year as well, especially at wide receiver. Uh, and then even um, possibly with contract extensions with Chubb, Baker, Wyatt Teller, Denzel Ward. There's a lot of questions that are going to come up here in the next couple of years. And let's talk about just a couple guys that we retained. Obviously everybody was excited that we uh, wide receiver Richard Higgins, one year deal, couple million bucks. We got him for one more year, which was awesome. I thought everybody thought, and we and we uh, kept our kicker Cody Parkey. I personally like that move. Um, you know, I know he had three or four games that he'd like to have back, but overall, I thought Cody Parkey did did pretty well last year. You know, we know Cleveland's not the easiest place to kick, so I, I was glad that they re- retained his services. Yeah, I mean, Cody Parkey, it, it's definitely not a bad sign, especially considering it was cheap. Um, I will say what was very interesting about his deal, about only 200000 of that is guaranteed. So, and the, and the Browns kept a kicker on their practice squad all season last year protected. I forget who the kicker was, but they kept him protected every week as insurance, basically, in case they need another kicker, in case Cody Parkey ends up not performing the way he needs to. But he was very solid at the end of the year. Um, and of course, everyone's got to be excited. I mean, we're bringing Hollywood back. The red carpet's out again. I mean, it's very <laughs> exciting. Awesome. It, it's so exciting. And he just loves being here. Like, you can tell he just has a blast playing here. Uh, every time I see the GIF, getting the red carpet out, Baker sliding in there, getting that camera ready. I mean, it, it's so much fun just having these guys around, especially in the wide receiver room. It's a blast. No doubt. Um, some, some of the losses, you know, we lost Kendall lamb, our right tackle to the Titans, the Texans, they just, uh, pillaged our roster, man. <laughs> they got, uh, you know, money, Mitch, um, you know, went to the Texans. Let's see. Tavier Thomas went to the Texans. Vincent Taylor went to the Texans and Tay Davis also went to the Texans. And of course, Kevin Johnson went to the Titans along with uh, Kendall Lamb. And we already mentioned Larry O. So, you know, we, we lost some some players, but, man, the, the players that we gained at the same position, we've definitely – our roster has definitely been improved during free agency. And it's not even over. There's a ton of players out there that are still available um, that, that, that I looked at that we can plug and play on some of those positions as well. 
Yeah, yeah, no doubt about that. The one, the one boss that's interesting, uh, losing uh, Terrence Mitchell, Money Mitch, that deal has still not been official by the Texans. So it makes you wonder if maybe there's an issue there because it's rare that a deal goes that long without being announced. Um, and so I'm curious if maybe there's a hiccup there because he has not been officially announced by the team still. I, I know that, that uh, you know, with the salary cap, I know that if you're not cap compliant, that a deal can't become official. I, I have no idea what their salary cap is or where they're at, but I, I know that could be true for, for some signings. Mm-hmm. They, yeah, they have maybe. to get below the cap before they can actually officially sign them. But mm-hmm. again, I have no idea on that. Yeah, maybe maybe that is the case with him. I know though that he was one of um, he was signed before some of these other former Browns. So that's why it just makes me wonder what if there maybe is an issue there. And yeah, if like there what's is, going on? Yeah, I mean, if there is, hey, we'll take him back. That's yeah, a cheap, that's a cheap deal. I wouldn't mind having him back for that. Oh yeah, I would love to have money, Mitch. <laughs> I mean, no. I mean, hey, he he did great for us last year. I mean, he played a lot of football for us, and we needed him. We had a lot of injuries at that position, so yeah, Money Mitch was good to have on our roster last year. Yeah, and definitely a guy who I I think he was very underrated, and a lot of fans took for granted Money Mitch. He he did a lot. He did a lot for this team, um, especially with Denzel Ward having the injury issues that he has from time to time, but he really became that second corner for us and really established that position. All right. Well, so you've seen the signings that we've made so far. Where do you see that we still need to improve? Like what positions do you see? Secondary? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think outside corner. Uh, You have Troy Hill. Who is opposite of Denzel Ward right now? Greedy Williams. And you don't know if Grady Williams is going to be 100%. So um, I think that's going to be a position to address. Uh, they'll probably do it um, in free agency, possibly with a veteran corner and even the draft. I think they'll do both. Um, as far as another position, I feel like that they need to address is I think they could use another veteran defensive end. Uh, there's some big names still out there. Dunlap, Carlos Dunlap um, is out there. Uh, Melvin Ingram, Justin Houston. I mean, they're obviously clowning. There are a couple of guys still out there that the Browns could use on a one-year deal. Um, and you could have Tack McKinley rotating in with them. But I feel like at the end, one, you can never have enough bodies there. Um, but in the secondary, especially with the defense Joe Woods wants to run, I think another corner is very crucial for this defense. When you look at the the position groups on defense – who, who would you – I mean, this is an obvious answer, but who would you say is the captain of our defensive line? Oh, Miles Garrett. Linebacker room. Well, you lost B.J. Goodson, who did have that role. So, honestly, Anthony Walker might come in and be that captain. Okay. Uh, safety room. Oh, Joe Johnson. Joe John – yeah, Joe John. John Johnson. John wow. Johnson the third. <laughs> yep. <laughs> J.J. Three. Yep. Um, a cornerback room. Denzel Ward. Yeah. It, it's, it's interesting. A lot of people have said this, but I, you know, I thought it was very important that we brought in some veterans that can be leaders at each position group. And then you can, uh, you know, bring in rookies to, to fill holes. And I think that, I mean, we haven't even had the draft yet, bro. I mean, we've got nine <laughs> picks in the, I mean, isn't that exciting? 
Oh, very exciting. Oh. And I don't even think they're going to end up picking nine guys. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's what, but that's what you want from a, that's what you want from your team though. You want a team that can address those, those needs in free agency, even on, if even, even if they are one or two year deals, because then in the draft, if you can take best available player at, at any position now, obviously we don't need a quarterback or running back, like running back high, but receiver, cornerback, safety, um, and I'll rule out linebacker because I just don't think we really value linebackers a ton. But take a top-notch defensive end, D lineman, all the possibilities for you are endless at that point. I mean, if you can go into the draft and take best available player, I mean, that's what you want to do. Trades are really hard to predict, but do you see a trade happening in the near future with the Browns? When we get closer to draft, like draft week, I think it's that's when we might hear a lot more talk. Um, I, New England is an interesting situation with what's going on down there. Stephon Gilmore is on the trade block, and I, I could see him being traded here. The th- issue is money, obviously money with with uh, mm-hmm. Gilmore because supposedly he would like a, no- a new contract, and obviously he's thirty years old. Um, he had a couple injury issues last year, but I mean he's one of the top corners in the league before last year he's was top notch. So that would be, that would be pretty rough. Um, I think there's dead money that new England would have to eat if they traded him. So, but I heard he's on the block and um, also Bill Belichick put a ten a uh, second round tender on JC Jackson, who's supposed to be their other young standout corner. So it's, it's going to be very interesting. I think he's one name. Um, I can't really think of any other names to trade for, but Gilmore's the first one that comes to my mind that I could see on, on draft week. What do we have? So we have a first round pick, mm-hmm. one first round pick, one second round. We have two thirds. Yep, correct. Two fourths. Yep. A fifth, sixth, seventh. Yep. Is that what it is? Yeah. And we we got some draft capital that you know to throw in on a trade. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the only other near trade that could happen, um, maybe Njoku could still possibly be traded. I, I don't know. I don't know if that happens, especially after a salary, uh, six million dollar salary is guaranteed. Um, for this season, but think of a team that needs a tight end right now. Uh, the chargers, they just lost Hunter Henry. I mean, they could use, they could use a tight end out there, athletic tight end, uh, for Justin, Justin Herbert. So it's one of those things. I don't think Njoku does get traded, but if a team needs a tight end, uh, draft week, all kinds of trades can happen during draft week. I think a lot of teams look at our tight end room and are like, dude, <laughs> I want one of those guys. <laughs> Hey, I mean, I mean, I mean, who wouldn't? You got you got dude, Harrison Bryant, sick, you got man. David and Joku, and you have Austin Hooper. Yeah, and Joku was the third tight end in that group because technically Bryant overtook him on the depth chart. So that's just a lot of talent. I mean, yeah, we haven't really spent a lot of time talking about our offense. It's all been defense because that's what free agency has been so far. But gosh, man, our our offense is so sick, man, dude. <laughs> be ridiculous it is and and, i mean everyone stays healthy you're you're talking you can be up there with kansas city i think we can our offense can score with anybody i mean obviously we did last year even without obj but having obj this offense can really score with anybody and it's going to be so much fun to watch all right well let's let's go ahead and take a quick break and we will be right back with you the brown subtle podcast wants to help give back I am a small business owner, so I know that this past year has been tough, really tough, so I want to help. If you're a small business owner 
or a sales guy in the Cleveland, Ohio area, maybe you're a bar owner, restaurant owner, a brick and mortar retail shop, plumber, electrician, insurance agent, real estate agent, whatever it is that you do for the next three episodes, I will read a one to three minute advertisement for free to promote your business. My DMs are open. Reach out to me on Twitter at Brown Subtle or at Brown Subtle Pod, and we will make it happen. Go Browns. And we are back. Once again, I'm joined by co-host of Feeling Dangerous Podcast, Tyler Johnson. We have been going through Brown's headlines, including free agency. Tyler, last week on the show, we took a peek at next year's schedule, home and away games. And I made a list of QBs that will give us the biggest threat. And it's 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 a pretty good list. Um, my my top five uh, on the list. Here, here's what I had for the top five. So, and see if you agree with me. So, number one on the list, you know, QBs that we're going to face next year: Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. Those are my two top two. And by the way, I believe we put, play both of those games on the road. Um, my number three at the time was. Deshaun Watson, he's he's had some weird news these past couple of days with legal problems um, with masseuses. Uh, we won't get into all that, but we'll, we'll see how that shakes out. Number four is Lamar Jackson, and number five, Ben Roethlisberger. Depending on will we get early season Big Ben or late season Big Ben? Both, I don't know. Who would be your top five if you're if you had a list? the top five QBs that we're going to face next year? Uh, Pat Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers are one and two. I feel like that's really easy. Um, Deshaun Watson, I'm going to take out of this because even if he doesn't have these legal issues, I don't think, I think he's going to sit out next year. I mean, if he has, if he doesn't have legal issues, he's been pretty uh, certain on that. Number three, we always have a hard time defending him. Lamar Jackson would probably be number three for me. Um, And then four and five, it would be, Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. Um, I mean, those those rookie quarterbacks really lit it up. And if it wasn't for Burrow getting hurt, he would have had a great rookie season. But Justin Herbert, they the Chargers were very bad as far as like record wise. They just couldn't seem to close out games. But Justin Herbert can really sling the football, and I think he's definitely going to be tough uh, tough to cover. Um, same with Burrow, but Big Ben. I don't know where he would be at for me. That, that one's a little tough because yeah, you're it right. is will tough. We get, will we get early Big Ben or late season Big Ben? Because late season Big Ben was awful. Pretty I, bad. I mean, tr- truly awful. I mean, the guy is throwing. They couldn't even run the ball, so they're just throwing three. They're throwing fifty times a game with him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have Joe Burrow coming off an injury. What does that look like? Um, we play also. We play Derek Carr. I mean, obviously he can light light it up. Um, Jared Goff, I mean, he's with the new team. You know, does, is he going to have the weapons around him? Um, Kurt Cousin, Cam Newton, Mitch Trubisky, you know, we play the Bears. I mean, you think it's going to be Mitch Trubisky, Andy Dalton, or do they draft a quarterback? I mean, there's a lot of questions there. And then also with the Broncos with Drew Locke. I mean, I don't even think they're convinced that he's going to be their quarterback of the future yet. Yeah. Yeah, um, as far as like the bear situation, it, yeah, it'll be Andy Dalton because uh, Trubisky went to Buffalo um, to back up Josh Allen, which I thought was kind of an interesting move, but it was a cheap move for 
um, the Bills because it was only one year, $2.5 million. When did um, that so, happen? Uh, I believe that. Oh, yeah. It's happened, um, I believe, on either Saturday or Friday. Dude. Um, be- because I remember we talked about on the Feeling Dangerous uh, podcast because um, uh, one of our guys actually was like, do the Bills really believe in Josh Allen if they sign Mitch Trubisky? And I said, when I, once I broke down the details, he was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. So, I mean, so yeah, I mean, I feel like um, Drew Locke is a guy that I don't think he's necessarily bad. The Broncos just haven't had a great real off like offense. I mean, they just have looked so out of sync. Cam Newton's Cam Newton. He can have a great game or he can have a bad game. You don't know which Cam you're going to play against. Um, Jared Goff, I would actually put probably last on that list because I right now he has no weapons there. Galladay's gone. Marvin Jones is gone. Maybe they draft Jamari Chase or Kyle Pitts. I don't really know what Detroit's doing as far as on offense right now. So, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to watch. But, but yeah, I mean, as far as uh, Derek Carr, Derek Carr is a very solid quarterback. He's not anything special, but he's also not a bad quarterback. He's just a guy that gets the job done. Um, but the Raiders have that, – that front office has made some really questionable moves to where they don't have a lot around him right now. I can't believe I spaced that uh, Mitch Trubisky news, man. <laughs> no, hey, you're dude. Good. Oh my I gosh, other, I saw it the other day, and I was, I was. I like, thought you were breaking what? news on my podcast, bro. <laughs> hey, hey, I, I, I wish I had that Schefter power. Adam oh my Schefter. gosh! <laughs> so the Bears are rolling with Andy Dalton. That tells you, I mean, they're they're draft. They got to be drafting the guy, right? I mean, I would think so because they got Nick Foles too. So I don't yeah. really know what the Bears are doing at quarterback. Supposedly, I saw – I don't know if you caught this on Twitter. I forget exactly who reported it. The Bears offered a haul for um, Russell Wilson. And yes. the Seahawks said no. Uh-huh. That's going to be another storyline to watch um, this season and maybe even during draft week. Yeah. It, it, it's going to be a, a, a tougher s- schedule next year. I mean, next year we have the ninth toughest schedule. When you look at our home games and away games, the away games, when you look at it, it scares the hell out of you. I mean, there's some, there's some big games that are away. Um, but, you know, like Kevin Stefanski says, it's one game at a time and you can't win – two games until you win one you can't win three until you win two. So um, that's what, that's what we have to look at as fans, but I don't know about you, but as for me, it's, it's, it's really hard for me not to look ahead. Hey, I'm right. I'm right there with you. I, I do it all the time. When the schedule first came out, I was like, wow, okay, this is going to be a pretty difficult schedule because you're pretty much, you're at green Bay, you're at Kansas city, new England's going to be better next year. You're at new England. I mean, mm-hmm. right there, you don't want to set like, this is a team, like we can win those games, but also you think in your mind, I like, man, you could easily see those being three losses. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see that on the schedule and then the Bengals, I don't think they're necessarily a given if, like I said, if they address that line and Burrow's healthy, that's going to be tougher. Pittsburgh's never easy. Baltimore obviously is tough. Um, but then going, um, the Raiders, we lost to them last year. Now, mind you, the circumstances of that game, the weather was pretty bad. Um, not that that should ever be an excuse, but that comes into consideration. And even the chargers, I think are going to be better. So yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be a much tougher schedule this year, but I just, I love Kevin Stefanski's attitude towards it. It's, it's seriously, it's just one game as how you have to take it. You can't look ahead in the schedule. 
you have to take every game one day at a time. And every time um, the Browns would post um, his post game with the team, like for about just talking for a minute, it's awesome because he's just such a great coach. And he has – everyone's just bought into this team. And they truly – and when players are asked, they say it's one game at a time. They're echoing what their coach is saying. And so you know Stefanski has that locker room. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know when the actual scheduled dates come out. I feel like that's um, after the draft um, sometime. I think it's after the draft, right, when that schedule comes out. But I'm going to be looking at that Lambeau field, you know, against Green Bay. Is it going to be September, October, or is it going to be late December, uh, cold, freezing? That's going to be – it's been my dream since I can even – I can't even remember what – when since I was a kid, I've always wanted to go to Lambeau Field to, to see a game. Maybe this will be the year. Hey, that, that would be so much fun. My, awesome. my wife's been to Lambeau Field. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that would be an awesome. It'd be awesome just to go around, um, tour every NFL stadium, go to a game at every NFL stadium. That's on the bucket list for sure. All right. Let's move on to our last segment of the show. We have a couple. Browns huddle mailbag questions for you, uh, Tyler. At KC underscore Kinnaman, he's a friend of the show. He writes for Dog Pound Daily. Give a plug for that. He's awesome, dude. He's he's uh, He was a guest on my show maybe two months ago. But he asks, what non-starter do you believe is the most crucial to the Browns' success in this upcoming season? I would say it is... Rashard Hollywood Higgins, him and Baker Mayfield have an amazing chemistry together. And it's Kevin Stefanski's offense. Um, it's a two wide receiver offense um, that starts um, Higgins really didn't get a lot of playing time until OBJ got hurt. But when Higgins is on the field, I'm just telling you that offense looks really crisp. You can tell him and Baker have a great chemistry together um, and it shows. And I'm really, I'm really excited to see what Higgins does this season. And even if maybe in Stefanski's offense, he incorporates more three wide receiver sets because he saw the success um, that he and Baker had together. Um, And so that's going to be really fun to watch. Higgins is definitely crucial though, for this team's success. I'm really glad he's back this season Um, because beginning in free agency, I didn't think that was going to happen. I thought he was going to price himself out. Um, But then I don't think he got the offer she was looking for. And this is where he wanted to be. So I'm really, I think it's definitely Richard Higgins. I'm on that same wavelength with you. Mine is DPJ, Donovan Peoples-Jones. I I think that, you know, when you look at a non-starter in a positional group, we have to develop a, a wide receiver uh, because next year, I mean, OBJ, um, Jarvis Landry, we, we, we're not going to be able to keep them both. I mean, it's just t- too expensive. So somebody's going to have to step up in their place. Do you see Donovan Peoples-Jones as a possible wide receiver one? I do. And I go back to what Urban Meyer said about him. I mean, how if he had a good quarterback at Michigan, he'd be a, he'd be a first-round pick. I mean, he just has that level of talent. And coming out of high school, I know that's um, a little further back, he was the top wide receiver um, recruit in the country. I mean, he, the guy has talent, and – that's um, going back to the wide receivers. Yeah. You won't be able to keep uh, juice and OBJ um, past the season, unless there are major pay cuts. Um, that's another reason why I think Higgins came back uh, because he was realizing that that was a possibility for him to remain here long-term because he probably won't cost the um, 10 to $20 million that OBJ and Landry could cost. 
So, yeah, I'm really excited about DPJ. I think he's a really good player. And the more playing time he gets, I think the Browns are grooming him to be that one number one receiver. Uh, that That's what my initial thought when we drafted DPJ is I was like, okay, that's OBJ's replacement. That's what we're grooming him for. That was, He's a developmental guy. He's raw. Uh, but he, he surprised me last year. He really did. I mean, he caught the game winner against Cincinnati. I mean, with 12 seconds left on the clock. I mean, s- such an amazing play. Um, so yeah, Casey Kinnaman, that's, that's our answer. It's going to be the wide receiver position, non-starter, uh, cause that's going to be important. You have to figure next year, let's just assume for the sec, I don't know, but let's assume that we keep Jarvis and get rid of OBJ. Well, that leaves the number two wide receiver position available, whether it be Richard Higgins, we bring him back for more of a long-term deal or DPJ or a player that we haven't identified yet. Maybe somebody that we draft this year. Um, that's going to be important to, for, for next year. To, so that way we remain strong in that position. Uh, let's get into the final question at fifth quarter show underscore asks out of the big three signees. And you, you maybe, maybe answered this, but we'll ask it again out of the big three signees, Johnson Hill Walker, who makes the biggest impact in year one? The biggest impact will be John Johnson the third. I think that he's going to come in and be a captain in this defense. And just like um, with the Rams, he's going to be the one calling plays. Uh, I believe when B.J. Goodson, because it doesn't look like he's going to be back with the sign of Anthony Walker Jr., B.J. Goodson was the guy who was calling plays for the Browns defense, I believe. So now that's an opening. Um, John Johnson's going to have a huge effect. He's a guy, um, again, that's very versatile. He can play up towards the line of scrimmage. He can obviously play further in the backfield. And so I definitely see John Johnson as being um, one of the big time leaders for this team, even though he's a new guy, um, he's going to come in and be an immediate leader for this defense. I agree with you. I'm excited about all three of these guys um, coming onto our roster, but you know, John Johnson, I've just heard so many great things about him from former teammates. Um, You know, he's young, he's a leader. I mean, we, we signed him for three years, man. I mean, he's going to be here for a while. And I think that uh, he's going to fit right in with our roster. So I'm excited about all three of them. But, yeah, I agree with you, John Johnson the third. All right. Well, this is a, a part of the show where I'd like to give my guests a chance to give themselves a plug. Where can the listeners find you on social media? They can find me at uh, T underscore Johnson underscore TJ. Uh, that is my personal Twitter account. I'm always tw- uh, tweeting out uh, Brown's information on that, but also um, got it. You got to follow the podcast as well. Uh, the feeling dangerous podcast that is at capital F capital D capital P and then uh, podcast Cleveland uh, CLE. So that'll be F D P podcast capital CLE. And um, something exciting that we're really starting to do is um we're slowly launching a website, uh, the feeling dangerous podcast.com. Um, and what's mm. really exciting about that also is we're going to develop some gear, uh, for fans as well for the podcast, but also some Browns gear, um, that we're looking to do. Uh, so that's something very exciting we have coming up. And right now, if you go to the website, um, it'll take, there's a link for you to take us right to our Twitter account. Um, so you can follow us on Twitter or you can uh, stream the podcast by clicking the Spotify Spotify icon or Apple podcast icon. Um, and again, um, that is uh, FDP podcast CLE on Twitter. 
in the feelingdangerouspodcast.com. So big things are in store for the Feeling Dangerous team and uh, hope you guys will uh, come along with us for the ride because it's going to be a fun time. Well, yeah, for the listeners out there, definitely check out Feeling Dangerous Podcast. I, I know a couple of them guys and, and you guys really do sound like you're having a, a good time recording episodes. I listened to your last, I listened to most of your episodes, actually. I have been for about a year. Um, yeah. So follow Feeling Dangerous Podcast and also fo- follow Tyler Johnson as well. Well, man, this was a lot of fun, dude. I, I appreciate you uh, breaking knowledge on the the Brown Subtle Podcast. I definitely uh, thank you for you know, being a guest on the show, man, let's definitely do it again sometime. Hey, Jason. Yeah. Thank you very much again. I mean, this was a lot of fun and uh, feel free to come back to the feeling dangerous podcast. uh, Anytime. We'd love to have you back on as well. (laughs) We should do that. That would be a lot of fun. How how many guys do you have on that show? It's uh, I know it's you and Zach and who who else? Yeah, we got two. We got two others. We got Jordan and um, uh, Pete. Yeah, Pete. But then there, there was one more guy. I, I forget who it was, though, because um, Pete actually mentioned him on our podcast. Um, and it looks and that is I can't his Twitter name isn't actually his real name. So I, I can't say his name at this point. <laughs> That's he all right. <laughs> but yeah, so there's I'd say there's about actually five of us total because every now and then Pete does talk. So about five of us. Yeah, And dur- during the season, I'm sure you guys do like uh, game previews and maybe some post game stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it, it's a lot of fun. I mean, we always, um, have a lot of fun doing it. Um, there's always a lot of humor involved as well. So <laughs> you, you got to take things seriously, but with these, you also got to have a lot of fun and you uh, have to, I'm sure, I'm sure people enjoy that as well. Absolutely, man. Well, thanks for coming on. I like to end all my podcasts with the go Brown. So one, two, three, go, go Brown. Brown.